Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. So good morning, Severn Run. How many of y'all can identify with the run part of Severn Run for this week? Quite a few, okay. So what we want to do right now is just to pause. I don't know how much margin you build into your life. I don't know if you're always running near red line, running from appointment to appointment, and too busy to be still. But let me just say your soul was designed to be still. One of the reasons we don't like to be still is because in the stillness, sometimes we feel pain. And we are programmed in our brokenness to run from pain, but the reality is that's the exact thing that we don't need to do with our pain. We need to stay with it and invite the joy of Jesus into it. So I just want to ask you, if you would, just for a moment to prepare your hearts for worship through just being still and praying. Praying is just talking to God. Um, You can be near or far and pray. It is a matter of your heart open and real and if you know how to talk to another human being then you've got a clue as to how to pray to the God of the universe who created you. So would you just draw a circle around your, uh, your chair for a moment and take a deep breath and just be still and open your heart to the giving of God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved each one of us so passionately and so deeply and so personally that you sent the solution to our pain. You made a way through life that is a way of joy and not merely struggle, that is a way of good in the midst of hard. God, you gave us yourself in Jesus. And Lord, though we're not worthy, uh, we just want to pause in this moment and open our hearts to you and to your love and the gift of your son. And God, ask that you'd help us to meet you today, to hear you, and to love you. So, Father, we acknowledge the gift of Christmas, and we open our hearts to your word, and we believe that you will speak through your scriptures, 
and we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are fast drawing near to Christmas. You guys realize next week is Christmas Eve, and you also realize that next week at this time, don't come, right? Look at your Christmas Eve schedule for four services, and uh, it'll be awesome. Um, but we're talking about living joy, and for some of us, that, that just doesn't seem possible right now. But I want to tell you that because of Christmas, I really believe it is. And we can live joy in the wait. And I want to introduce you to the concept of the wait. And I want to share with you some scriptures from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40, that you may never have ever read before in your life. Or if you have read, you may not have thought them very important. But I want to introduce to you the concept of the wait. And if you don't know what it is right now and recognize it, then there will come a time in your life when you will. And you will need to know what to do in the wait. And if we can live joy in the wait, then everything changes in our lives. You see, the truth is that sometimes joy, it's a long time coming. And not going to spend a ton of time defining what the wait is, but that's a part of what the wait is. It's that time between when you've heard about the joy and when you feel like you're experiencing it. The reality is, that there are seasons of life and, and sometimes, you know, life, you really shouldn't compare your life to other people's because we judge other people's insides based on the appearance of their outsides and that's not a very accurate judge to know about the reality of anything, about what's going on in them or who they are or what their, what their pain is. But it's not an equal opportunity world. Um... It is a world in which we have enough of the image of God and enough of the, the, the lingering, um, you know, created part of us, that, uh, of Eden and the anticipation of us for heaven that, that we, we can imagine perfection and, and what a, a, a joy might feel like in our, in our heads. And, and so we can kind of create these scenarios about what life would be like if it were good. But in a broken world, we don't have the ability or the power to make those things come into reality because a key part of our brokenness is that we try to be our own God. And that's what got us invited out of Eden in the first place. And so, in the in-between, we live in the wait, at least if we are struggling to believe in the good of God and the love of Christ. We live in the wait. The wait for the joy, the wait for the time when the promises of God will come and appear, the wait for when what, what God said here is what we're experiencing here. And in Hebrews 12 too, the scripture says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is, he's the one who wants to write your story and guide your story, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when we look at the life of Jesus, um, it's obvious that we attach a lot of joy with the birth. But as we move on to the growth of Jesus and the life of Jesus, we move on to how roughly Jesus uh, was treated when he began to bump into religious people and, and when he began to reveal what the love of God looked like in a broken world, we didn't necessarily raise up and, and, and say, yeah, go Jesus. We, 
We, uh, at times, uh, tried to stone him. We tried one time to throw him off a cliff. And eventually, uh, we nailed him to a cross. And so we don't attach joy to the later part of Jesus' life as much as we do the early part. But I want to share with you that according to the scriptures, Jesus was, was living joy his whole life. Even in the most unexpected moments. And this concept of the weight is all throughout the Old Testament as well. Um, In Psalm 74, for instance, the scripture says, How long, O Lord, how long? And you may not have used those exact words, but you've felt the feeling and you've you've used your own terminology to express the same thing. How long, God, is this going to last? And all through the Old Testament, you'll hear the language of how long. and, And you feel it yourself. How long? People in slavery in Egypt. How long, O Lord, how long? All through the Old Testament, in the suffering of God's people, how long, O Lord, how long? When they are in captivity for 70 years, for a couple of generations in that day, how long, O Lord, how long? And when you are in pain, time seems to change. How long? Did it feel between the time they drove the first nail into Jesus' wrist and the second? How long did it feel between the second and the placing of the nail on Jesus' foot and, and it being driven through his top and then his lower foot? How long? And yet we talk of a living joy. And those moments are the weight How long did it feel between every lash of the whip? 39 times from the first one. How long did it feel between the first and the second? The second and the third. The third and the fourth. How long did it feel for Jesus as the Praetorian guard beat him um, on numerous occasions before this whole journey began to the cross? And so the the reality is that as we talk about a living joy, I don't want you to live this joy with an air of unreality or this idea that there's something wrong with you because things aren't perfect and and, uh, you're suffering and there's hard in your life. No, no, no. This living joy that God has given in Christ is a real world living joy that is in the broken and overcomes the broken. And there is a joy that comes after, as there was a joy before in Eden, but, but the joy we're talking about is a joy here and now. And I want you as, as people, the people of God, the people who are considering God, the people who are on the way to God, I want you to, to learn to live your weight in joy. And I want to tell you a story from Luke chapter 2 of Simeon and Anna, a couple of people that you've probably never come across. And if you have, you, you may not have let their story soak in. But I want to I want to do something because it's a, a less usual story. I want to read the whole story. And then I want us to go back through it and kind of walk through it for a, for a few minutes if we can. So if you have your Bible, feel free to, to, to follow along. Um, again, version is a great app. There's just a ton of good apps. And if you pull out your phone, we know you're not checking, you know, you're not on Facebook or email. <laughs> you're reading the Word of God. So turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 2 or just listen to the story of a couple of people who lived Two of the most remarkable weights I've ever heard of in in all of Scripture. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
For it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with it what is said in the Lord, uh, the law of the Lord, a pair of dove or two young pigeons. This is what the poorest of the poor offered. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him uh, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. Don't know when she was married. If she was married in the customary uh, time period, this means that she has been a widow 60 years, a long time in the wait. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The same language as the consolation of Israel. And when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. And he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Sometimes joy is a long time coming. But we need to know that joy in the world has only one name. It is Jesus. And one of the things that we've talked about um, from the beginning of this series, and I pray that you never forget, um, I, I, I want you to know that saved people, they always, that's, that's what saved people do. Saved people are, are still a people being saved, but they are not about themselves. They are about serving in, and answering the broken in the world. And the other thing I want you to know is that joy is a person and a... Now, some of you may not have heard that before, so I want you to hear it really clearly. And, and I want you... You've already met your neighbors, so just make sure, turn to them, and let them know that joy is a person and... Go, go ahead. Just make sure your neighbor knows. And so this story of Christmas that we celebrated, which can have an air of unreality or a, a seasonal connect to us, but that does not, uh, you know, just launch us to live joy all year long, which it is supposed to do, which it will do if we let it. The simple reality is that, that joy in the world has only one name. And this was a name that was divinely given. It was the name Jesus, the, the name the angel gave him before he was born. Yeshua is the name. We know it as Joshua. And, and Joshua or Yeshua means he saves. 
The scripture says in in chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The whole world now has the chance in all of the darkness, in all of the brokenness, in all of the sin and selfishness, now to live joy, to know joy. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now some of you are saying, oh, I know this. And I would say that some of you do, but I would say that there's a lot of us who are saying, oh, I know this. No, you don't. You, you know it in your head, but, but, but it's, it's, you don't know it in your heart. You got the knowledge, but you haven't had the experience. You know about it, but you haven't given yourself to it. You've seen it, but you're not in it. You need to be of it, and you need to to understand that God has called you to live joy, and and not a joy that you can find any place else, but a joy that has one name. It's Jesus. And we think we know this, and then we pursue other joys, uh, joys with other names. And, and, and there is no joy found in any other name. Any other relationship that we have um, that, that, is, that is going to bring joy is going to have Jesus and his rightness in it and of it. And if there is no Jesus in it and of it, then there is no good in it. It is, it is, not, um, it is not of God at all. It is, it is broken. It is deadly. It is dying. It is a leaky bucket. And, and it is a way for you to live uh, an ever more empty life if you go after any other joy that isn't named Jesus. And this kind of a, of a, of, of a Jesus um, living joy is far more radical and far more serious and far more joyful and far more fun and far more living uh, and, and, and far more centered on Jesus than most of us recognize. We want a, a little Jesus on the edges of life, but that's not the way it works. That's like saying, I want a little breath in my day. No, I want to breathe all day. And for some of us, that's like saying, I want a little food in my week. No, we want to eat every day. Three times a day. And some of us eat more than three times a day. Some of us graze all day. (laughs) What's wrong with that, right? (laughs) Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we we must be saved. And we need to to allow this to become uh, three-dimensional and living to us rather than flat and and black and white on, on on a dusty page. This truth has to come alive in us that the living joy that is God has one name and it is Jesus. And the reality is that that we will spend our whole life manufacturing our own joy and our and our own light and 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 I, I don't want to deny, I want to be honest, sometimes preachers lie. Sin is fun for a little bit, right? I mean, it is fun for a little bit. It's not like Satan doesn't have anything to offer. He's, he's got a counterfeit to offer. But what he offers doesn't last. And the longer you hold on to it, the more likely you're going to get burned. Well, you will be burned. And so some of us spend our whole life, oh, when, when our joy goes off, we, we desperately run around and we, we start another. We move on to somebody else. We buy something else. We, we focus on something else. And, and it's one experience after the other, whether it's sexual, whether it's material, whatever it is, we're just going to manufacture our own joy and dadgum and it went out again. And, and, and we spend our whole life. But there is no joy in any other name. 
It's just Jesus. And, and the reality is, I'm inviting you to turn to that joy and understand that just because you're in the wait, you can still have that joy. So in the wait, look for this joy, the one joy, the only true joy, Jesus, with all you've got. You see, the temptation in the wait is to turn away, to end the wait, to, to, to make the pain go away, to find some other joy in some other person, in some other thing, but there is no other joy in the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. It's not joy to the world, I'm, I'm going to, and then fill in the blank with something else. There is one joy, and, and if you'll ever be still long enough, you'll know this is true, you'll feel it. But if you keep yourself so busy that your soul is numb to feeling anything, if you run from the pain in your life, if it is far distant and far past the sexual abuse or, or the, the things that your parents did or didn't do, um, you know, if you run from the pain in your life, Satan will, will get you to waste your whole life exhausted in the run. And if you just stop, and hear what the angel said that one Christmas night. There is a joy that is more than livable in a broken world. But we have to look for this joy with all we've got. And whatever we turn to other than Jesus to end our pain ends our life in the end. And so we have this strange story of Simeon and Anna, two people who most of us would say wasted their lives. Most of us would look at their lives and, and look at their lives as kind of uh, very unattractive and very, you know, not uh, a real option at all. But the reality is that these two people exemplify what life in the wait for Jesus looks like and how the wait always ends for everybody <laughs> who lives the wait. Simeon had spent his whole life waiting in verse 25. His whole life he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The scripture said he was righteous and devout. Righteous does not mean self-righteous. It means that he learned to say no to himself. Holiness is a concept that, that isn't very popular in, in churches and Christianity these days. We think that we can follow Jesus and sleep with who we want and do, with who, do what we want and, and lie and steal and, and fudge the edges and, and everything else. And, and all we're doing is lying to ourselves. Righteousness is not an ugly term. It is a term of what is right. And what isn't ugly and corrupt and it, it means learning to say no to yourself. Do, do you understand you don't have to say yes to everything you feel? Do you understand that there is a hater who hates you? Haters are going to hate. Satan is the ultimate terrorist. And in hating you, he knows you, he watches you, and he will tempt you. He will offer you anything. He tried to do this to Jesus, offer Jesus the whole world if you just bow down and worship him. Well, he's done the same thing to you, and he's going to tempt you in, in, in ways that are unique to you uh, 
to things that look good that you will think, if I say yes to this, then I'm going to find uh, a joy for a little bit. But, but, but being righteous is, is in part learning to say no to yourself. And to say no to, to the opportunities you have to find joy in some other name. Some other man, some other woman, some other thing. <laughs> and he was devout, the scripture says. By, by devout, that's not a word we use a whole lot. It's, it's, it's reverent. It means that he lived with a mature stillness so that he could hear God's voice. He just stopped. And, and, and he thought things through. Satan does not want you to think. Some people think, well, Christians, they turn off their brains. No. Christians are the people who've kind of opened their eyes and, and, and looked at life a little bit and, 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 and explored its purpose. One guy was golfing with his uh, boss and he was listening to his boss's dream, this new acquisition that was coming up that was going to make him wealthy and, and the, the golfing partner said, and then? And then the boss said, well, then I'll, I'll buy some other companies. He said, and then? Um, well, uh, then I'm going to try to, uh, you know, just invest it as wisely as I can and earn as much as I can. And then? Well, then I'm going to retire. And then? Well, I want to I buy a place on this island and my wife and I are going to go and live. And then? Well, I guess we'll live there. And then, well, I hadn't really thought about that. I, I guess at some point we'll get too old for that and, and we'll have to, to move back home. And then, and eventually you get the point. And so to be righteous and reverent means, means that you just stop and, and you think things through. You don't live in the whirlwind of the lie. And in the stillness of being able to just hear God speak into your life, you're able then to, to realize, I have a choice. I don't have to live. I'm not fated to fail. I don't have to live a falling down life. I don't have to live beneath the line. I don't have to live joyless. I don't have to live fallen and broken and sad and angry and addicted and causing pain to the people around me. I don't have to live hell here on earth. There's a joy that has been born in the world. His name is Jesus. And, and, and then the scripture says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit <laughs> that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the consolation of Israel. I, I want to remind you that amidst all the bad in the world and all the anger and all the selfishness and hate and all the ego, there is another spirit present in the world. It is a divine spirit. It is not a ghost. It is the third part of the Trinity. It is the Spirit of God whose work is to reveal the love of the Father through the life of the Son. That's the whole purpose of the Spirit of God. And, and this Spirit is at work in the world. And, and more specifically, this Spirit is at work in your life. And, and you just have to listen to the Spirit of God. You are not hopeless. You are not helpless. God himself has acted on your behalf. There is an agency outside of you that is eager to exert a power beyond you to lift your life up and to redeem it and to turn it around and to fill you with a living joy. Hard or easy, short or long, it really doesn't matter. Your life can rock your life can be an amazing life that is igniting joy in your family and in the people around you. You don't have to live sad and angry. You don't have to live in the chains of addiction. Amen. Can you hear the joy of eternity in Simeon's words? In, 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 in Simeon's words? Sovereign Lord, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. Everything I've been longing for all of my life in the wait, I have now found in Jesus. And I know, I know, I know that for some of you this sounds so strange and yucky. And because I was there at one time when people would talk about Jesus this way, it actually to me sounded kind of creepy. You know? But, but that's the enemy not wanting you to draw near your creator. The reality is that in Jesus, in this light, in this life, in this joy, there is everything that you were created for. Here's your purpose. Here's your connection. Here's your greatness. Here's where it all comes together is in the person of Jesus and you surrendering your life to him. And you lay down all of your burnt out attempts to find a joy in your life and you just, you look to Jesus with all that you have. And you can just hear the joy and the satisfaction in, in Simeon's life. I felt so bad for my dad when he was dying. My dad was an alcoholic. He stopped drinking, I was trying to figure it out, sometime in his 50s. And so he was sober the last 20 years of his life. But a lot of that, he was still what we call a dry drunk. He, he wasn't working his recovery. He wasn't drinking. But he also wasn't at peace. And there wasn't real joy in his life. And the last night of his life, I've told you the story several times, but I've only got one dad and, and one experience like this, so sorry. <laughs> I can't come up with any other stories. And I'm with my dad all night the last time I ever saw him alive. And, and some of his last words to me were, were this, I'm, I'm so sorry what I did to you boys. And in those, that moment, I, I did not feel sorry for myself and my brothers, Greg and Hal. I, I, I didn't, I felt so bad for this human being who at the end of his life was most experiencing regret instead of joy. And I did everything I could in those last hours that I spent with him overnight to help him experience grace. See, here's the arrogance of it all. You can do what you want to in life. You can sleep with who you want to. You can live your life anyway. You can step on people and you can use them and you can laugh at people you think are weaker than you and you're, you can live in the arrogance that you're better than anybody. So forgive my bad English, all you grammarians and everything else, but you ain't better than anybody, all right? You're, you're just a little boy or a little girl in a grown-up body. But you can live all that way if you want to but here's what I promise you, that in the end, you're going to live with a regret that's going to echo not only through your life, but through the life of your family. And when you die, joyless without Jesus, forever and ever and ever, you will regret the arrogance and the ego that edged God out and put you in the center and now you get what you want forever and ever, life without Jesus. Or, for all the hard in your life and all the difficulty, you can live in the way looking for the joy of Jesus with everything you had, just like Simeon. And just like Anna. Anna, here, here's a homeless woman, <laughs> right? Here's a homeless woman who's, who's probably for 60 plus years been living at the temple, sleeping on stone at night. She has nothing in her life but 
but her anticipation of meeting Jesus. And for 60 years of her life, that's enough. Everybody else is scrambling around them. Everybody else is living in nice homes. And, and, and that appears full and her life empty. But, but at the great revealing, we see that that was all crazily reversed. And, and we don't hear about anybody living for themselves. But this one woman living for Jesus with all she had. Man, her story is celebrated for all time. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. Very old, seven years after her marriage, her whole life vision, surely she had a vision for children. I've met few, um, I've met few women who didn't want to have children and grandchildren. I don't, I don't know a whole lot of men who don't want to be able to scoop up their grandchild and wrap them up in their arms and spoil them and then hand them back over. <laughs> but she got none of that. All her earthly dreams died. And in that society, women really, women basically couldn't own property. Women couldn't start a business. Women basically were property. And about the only option a woman had if her family didn't take her back in or she didn't remarry was the world's oldest uh, profession. And so there weren't a whole lot of options. And, and yet here's her story that is a story of joy and a story of Jesus. Do you think Anna would say her life was worth the wait? 50 plus years of homeless worship, claiming nothing worth of worth except God's promise. Do you, do you think it's a wasted life? I don't. See, the reality is that that so often in the wait, we feel like life is empty because our dreams may have died and things aren't turning out like we want and, and we're in pain and we want something else. And, and, and our natural drive is to go and make something else in our own strength, make it happen. I'm not happy with this woman, so I'll go flirt with another and find somebody else who will make me happy. But living in the way, looking for this joy means to over and over again look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we can live joy in the wait. Often in the wait it feels like it's empty and we're gonna die. We wanna do something to make it stop. But it's been revealed to you that the weight will not kill you, cannot kill you. And you will not die in the weight without seeing the joy of Jesus because God is good and faithful and on time and God is bringing all things together in Jesus. And so the reality is that joy comes to everyone who stubbornly waits for Jesus. <laughs> I can't tell you how long the weight will be. I can't tell you what all you're going to have to go through. But the, the great thing is, is that we often think about a joy coming after. And, 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 and it does. It's certainly true what Psalm 30 verse 5 says. For his anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
And we should live with this sense of anticipation to say, it's dark and it is a storm raging in my life and it is cold in the dark and it's confusing and I hate it, but I know that the sun is going to come up and so I just have to hold on through this storm and I will see the first rays of dawn in my life. All of that is true. But I want to suggest to you that the living joy that is powered by the Spirit of God is not just a joy for after, it's a joy for in. And that Jesus, in the midst of even the most painful parts of his journey, was joy-driven. And so often we look about joy, again, coming afterwards, but, but guys, I want to tell you that when you look for Jesus with all you've got, the joy comes in the wait. And since the resurrection, a living joy is with us every single moment. These people live prior to the resurrection. These people live prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. We live post-resurrection lives. We live with the availability of, of the Holy Spirit of God to indwell us. We live with Jesus himself making his home in us, the author of joy. John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you. You, you don't have to manufacture a sad, short, little, burned out joy. I, I'm going to give you all the joy that is mine from before the foundation of the world that extends beyond, beyond the existence of time. All of the joy that exists in the universe, in eternity, in my Father's heart, I will pour into you my joy so that your joy can be complete. Joy is a person and a path leading every day into the presence of Emmanuel, this Christmas promise, God with us, Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, and the government of our lives will be on his shoulders. He will guide us, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Matthew 28, 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you and I have got a choice to make about how we're going to live our lives. We can be mad at God that, that we have to wait for joy in a broken world. And this is basically the, the foundational move of, of Satan and hell is to say, forget God, do it yourself now. The, the foundational lie of, of hell is to say that, that there is no God who's good and present, so, so you're on your own and, 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 and you're the center of the universe. But, but the reality is that Christmas changes everything. And I have no idea how real your pain is. I have no idea how deep it goes. I don't know how lonely you are. I don't, I don't know what you're drawn to in your life that's like the moth to the flame. You know, we've talked about that a lot. You know, the little moth is flying around and, and, and he look at the flame and he says, it's so pretty. And then he flies into it and, and there's this puff and this smoke and this smell and down he drops and Fred just, just watched that and says, wow, it's so pretty. <laughs> and that's the work of Satan in life. But joy has come. Good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born 
to you. And in the wait, if we have faith, we can live a strong, world-changing joy. You have no idea how strongly God sees you. (laughs) You have no idea when God looks at you what he sees. If any of you all are parents and you're halfway decent parents, And you look at your kids, not with a critical eye and finding fault and putting them down, but you look at your kids and you have dreams for them. You have hopes for them. You look at them and you see them with awe and wonder. You imagine all they could be. You hope for them. Then you have just a glimmer of how Father sees you right now. He doesn't see all your failures. He doesn't play all of your sins And in all of your brokenness, he looks at you as his beloved child and says, run to my son and let him save you. I've sent you a savior. Let let him save you. Let him fill you. Let him end the empty. Let him end the broken. Let Let him be the source of your joy and your life and rise up and live a life of courageous joy and be the difference in the world. In a broken, self-centered, hate-filled world, be be the the, the revelation of love. This is what you were called to. This is what you're destined for. But you're free if if you want. If you want to lay aside my love and my joy and, and, and the saving life of my son, you can. You can have what you want. But I have bled that you would want love and joy. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Some of you feel abandoned. You are not. The end of the age is just the next new beginning. You are not lost. You are not abandoned. You are not on your own if you'll let Jesus be with you, if you'll just accept his invitation. So what should I do now? Well, right now you should lay down your abandon. And you should lay down your discouraged. And you should start, just start believing call on the name of Jesus I'm serious Here, some of you say I don't know how to pray J-E-S-U-S there's your prayer and everything starts to change repent of every false path you've taken you got to be real with God you, you do have to come clean you got to own the truth and, and you can't God's not the father of lies that's Satan he's the God of truth and, and so So to repent means that I'm just going to, I was walking this way, but I've heard a different voice. I've seen a different light. I'm I'm walking this way now. And and so just own the truth that that the paths that you've been looking for, they're wrong. Just agree with God. God, I agree with you that what I've been doing is sin and I I don't want it anymore. Then thirdly, live Jesus joyfully in the wait. I don't know how long your wait's going to be. Maybe it's a little while. Maybe it's the rest of your life. I I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that the weight is not empty. The weight is joyful. The weight is Jesus. And God has invited you into the person who can answer 
every need and sorrow in your life and he's invited you into a path that is an amazing adventure of love and life and of giving and of discovery and of, of life redeemed. So would you come to this Jesus? If you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, then, then it's just easy. Just, just open your heart. We're going to be down here and be, would love to talk with you. Yeah, it takes a little bit of courage to walk up and talk to somebody, but like, so what? Life takes courage. You'd rather stay dead? And so I want to ask you to... to to accept Jesus and, 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 and many of the rest of you, you you just you need to have a conversation of repentance and new beginning with Jesus so that's it that's the best I got to give you this morning and I'm just asking you in the name of Jesus by the power of his spirit would you just say yes to living joy If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.